I'm a minister commissioner, and I speak against the amendment. What amendment, you're asking? Well, that is how we speak when we're at General Assembly, when we have to speak in front of the convention. Uh, this past week, uh, we were at, or Denise and I were at uh, our annual convention, which is called the General Assembly, and that's the kind of the highest level meeting for our denomination. And so today what I would like to do is kind of share with you um, some of what we went on this week. Uh, I do not have a sermon per se, but I will touch on one verse a little later. If you want to look in your Bible, it will be looking at John chapter 7 uh, and verse 9 through 11. John, excuse me, John 8 verses 9 through 11 we'll be looking at in just a few moments. So this year, uh, our annual convention was in Oklahoma. Uh, we were there in Oklahoma City, and uh, that was interesting. I'd never been there before. Um, so I, I kind of knew about Oklahoma City for two things, uh, their basketball team. And, you know, Kevin Durant used to be there. Now he's with the Warriors. Uh, Russell Westbrook is still there. But uh, also the Oklahoma City bombing came to mind. Um, but on my trip, I was given uh, a couple of pals to take along with me, these CP pals that our children are carrying and taking places. And so I took them, and uh, I'm, I'm going to post some pictures. I haven't really posted them yet. I think I put one on our children's page. But um, we, we took pictures uh, with CP pals with some folks uh, old friends that we saw. So I saw Linda Ward and got a picture with her and these pals. Uh, and I saw Kip and Jody and um, former pastor and pastor's wife. And then um, also Dwayne Tyus, who uh, was pastor here 21 years ago. Uh, and he's, he's been in Nashville ever since. I saw him. And uh, Dwayne, a uh, couple years ago, served as the moderator uh, for our national convention. Um, and then I took, uh, took these guys along with, with the uh, Oklahoma City uh, Memorial and Museum. Uh, that was kind of the only real free day that we had. We went there, and um, that's a very interesting, interesting place to go. I recommend it. Um, I will say there's some things that we all need to do that aren't necessarily fun in our lives. And to watch and to see what happened in the tragedy of that 1995 federal building bombing, I think we forget about it, especially because, you know, 9-11 happened a few years later, and then that became our focus. But, you know, what happened there with that bombing, Timothy, you remember the name, Timothy McVeigh, and there were some others behind that, um, that kind of reminded us it doesn't have to be a foreigner, it doesn't have to be a radical Muslim, it can just be a person filled with hate. Uh, who can do these type of, of terrorist actions. And, um, you know, there, it, was, uh, it, it was really tough to go through. If you go, I'll prepare you. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough. The only thing I've ever been through in my life, only museum that was harder uh, was the time I went to the Holocaust Museum. But underneath that, it's, it's really tough. But it is a reminder of the freedoms that we have of, of how precious they are and uh, how much we as a country owe to those who protect our freedoms and um, how vigilant we have to be. But our, our convention, um, it's uh, very interesting. There was a Sunday night worship service. We didn't make it in time because we left three 
in the afternoon and got there about 1.30 that next morning. And so uh, we made it to the opening business session where we kind of elected a new moderator, the normal uh, business stuff, and um, kind of just went through a lot of procedural things. That afternoon, there was a, um, an optional, uh, which means I did not make it, but there was an optional activity. Uh, remember, folks, I'd been on mission trip the week before, and I needed a nap and a trip to Target. But there was... Um, a display of uh, some of the, the Native Americans. One of the things, the reason we had it in Oklahoma City this year is that this year we're celebrating the 200th anniversary of uh, work, our denomination's work with the Choctaw Indians. And so we've had, obviously, a very long-time ministry, and they did some, uh, some cultural-type, some displays and showed how they worshiped and danced and different things like that. And I kind of heard about it. It sounded really neat. And then um, beginning Monday night, I got to be in so much fun with the committee meeting, uh, Committee on Stewardship and Elected Officers. It was a thrill a minute, I guarantee you. Um, I've never, you know, I think the longest church board meeting I've ever been in was like three hours. Well, this went all Monday night and all day Tuesday and a little bit uh, Wednesday. So, um, no one ever volunteers to go to these meetings. You are elected commissioners. And we have, by the way, I'm a minister commissioner. There's also elder commissioners. And so the way that everything works in our denomination is that each presbytery, uh, just like we elect elders uh, to lead our church, well, every year each presbytery uh, elects, and there's kind of a rotation of which church they come from, elects minister delegates and elder delegates. So our, our denomination, the idea is it's not run by ministers, it's not run by lay people, but it's a combination of the ministry and the lay people working together. And so all the, we have a bunch of different committees because every single report that comes in has to be looked over by a committee. And um, we, as uh, we're Cumberland Presbyterians, but any type of Presbyterians likes to do things decently and in order. And as someone said, the wheels of Presbyterianism turn very slowly. We like to examine everything and make sure everything is right. And um, so we had a lot of good stuff going on this year uh, in our convention. One of the big things is the reunification effort, which looks like it's going to be finished up one way or another in the next couple of years. And what I'm referring to is that our denomination, Cumberland Presbyterian, has a sister denomination, which used to be known as Second Cumberland Presbyterian, and since the early 90s has been known as Cumberland Presbyterian in America. We have the same exact confession of faith, so we have the same beliefs, train our ministers the same, but the only difference is that is an African-American branch of the church that... Um, that has been going since the late 1800s. Now, we know, of course, Cumberland uh, churches uh, have African-Americans in them, and I'm sure some of the CPA churches probably have whites in them, but they have remained separate denominations. And in our church history, we have looked at this issue of uniting the denominations because we already believe the same things, um, I think, two times before. 
And each time it's kind of been studied and looked at for four or five years, and then they just said, hey, there's not quite enough support for it. And I'll tell you why that is. It's not that um, people don't want it. It's like if you raised your hand and said, who wants justice? Who's for justice? Everybody in the room would raise their hand and say, I'm for justice. But then if I said, now, how do you go about justice? There'd be a group say, well, I do justice this way. And others say, well, you get justice that way. And so it's been a matter of working on the details. How do these two groups come together? Um, this has been in process now for probably four or five years. And if it goes forward, um, next year the convention will vote. Then it'll go back to the presbyteries to vote. And then in, so that's 2019, go back to the presbyteries. And then in the summer of 2020, um, Basically, at that point, if it's still all agreed upon, the Cumberland Presbyterian Church and the Cumberland Presbyterian Church in America would both be no more, and it would be Cumberland Presbyterians United, would be the new denomination that would have uh, all the congregations. Uh, what would that mean for us here as a church? Not a whole lot different, um, but the synods... And the presbyteries would probably include some new churches. There'd be just a little bit of shuffling around. Um, but it would just be, why duplicate? Why have a denominational office for Cumberland Presbyterians and a separate one for Cumberland Presbyterians in America? Why are we not all working together? And so hopefully my prayer is that all those details um, could be worked out and, um, and, and you know... Um, that that unification can occur. Uh, we look at lots of things at this meeting. We look at money. Uh, thankfully, right now, our, um, our, con our denomination seems to be doing fairly well financially. Um, we could always do more. Um, we, there's always more missionaries and more mission efforts that we would like to send if we had a little bit more. We've fallen short of our nationwide goals uh, the past couple of years. Um, and so we want to encourage everyone to give. We have special offerings during the year, but one of the ways that you help support the ministries of our denomination is simply when you give each Sunday, you know, just as we ask you as members to, to tithe off of your income, basically our church gives a tithe. We give about 10% goes on from our local congregate. We use 90% for local ministry, but then the other 10% goes on to do the nationwide and the overseas ministries of our church. And so every time you give to the general fund of our church, you are participating in what's called our United Outreach, which funds everything else uh, that we do as a church. So the other thing um, that we um, really was, I guess you would say, was a hot-button issue uh, this year was some resolutions that came up concerning human sexuality. How is it that we behave? What do we believe that the Bible says about sexual relations? And, and how is that to be handled in families and in churches? And, you know, uh, the last time that our denomination uh, really addressed these issues was 1995. Now, that doesn't seem all that long ago to adults, Kids are like, yeah, that's before I was born. That was way ancient history. But for a lot of us, 1995 ago th seems really, but I'm going to tell you, in 1995, 
you had never heard of non-binary gender. You had never heard of all sorts of different terms and ideas. Uh, the idea that we would have gay marriage in this country, nobody in 95 would say, hey, that's about to happen. There's all sorts of different uh, ideas that have come about in our society uh, uh, regarding human sexuality and how we deal with that. And so we got to the floor this year, and basically uh, anybody can put forth a resolution, like just one person who's there can say, I want us to, to follow this resolution. And they make a statement, and they ask the whole body, which is the General Assembly, to approve it. And we basically got opposing recommendations of, and, and one talking about, you know, uh, the biblical stance on, on human sexuality and how that's between one man and one woman. Uh, and then another one saying, well, we need to, you know, include all these people and we need to not be mean-spirited and we need to, you know. And so, like I said, everything gets referred to committees and I'm just kind of generalizing or summarizing those statements, but they went to committee, and the committee came back, which was, uh, it's the Committee on the Theological and Social Concerns. So the hot button uh, type of committee, all those issues go there. And so they presented a resolution to say, hey, both of these things are worded badly. Now, remember, again, as Presbyterians, we want to get everything legal and, and right and worded just right. And they said both of these things on both sides are worded badly, and we need to come back next year. We're going to take a year to look at this and word it and phrase it just right, and then we're going to uh, look at it and vote on it next year. And there was a lot of debate about whether we would do that or whether we would go ahead and vote on something. And really the debate was more so people going ahead, and even though we weren't voting on either of those resolutions, people were talking about their views. A lot of good points were made. There was also a lot of um, bad points. <laughs> there were a lot of things where people just, you know, um, we ended up, people ended up generalizing, well, you don't love people, or well, you don't believe the Bible, and all this sort of thing. Uh, my hope is that it did end up uh, approving what the committee said that this year both of those resolutions, neither one was approved, and the next year we'll come back uh, as a denomination and say, make a very clear statement of what we believe the biblical truths to be about human sexuality. My hope and my prayer, and I believe this is, uh, that this is the case, is that that was not simply a move to kick the can down the road, because I think we could have very easily said what the Bible says. Uh, that's, that's not all that hard to find out. But we do know that sometimes you can do the right thing in the wrong way. We want to do the right thing in the right way. And so my prayer for our denomination moving forward, uh, for our, our, our presbytery, by the way, um, is very, which is our you know, local group of 30 churches in our area, we've kind of already put out our statement. Of, that the Bible has a very clear stance on these issues. Um, but my hope and prayer is that God will be with us as we move forward as a denomination. 
you know, we talk about our church most of the time, what God's doing in here in our church. We don't talk about a denomination very much at all. Um, but it is important. It does affect us. Um, I know this. I know we're going to keep on preaching, teaching, and living the truth of the Bible, okay? No matter what anybody else, anywhere else says, that's what we're going to do. But it is important what our body of faith does. And uh, along those lines, I want us to think for just a moment about uh, the story of the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. You know the, the story. Um, some people were trying to trick Jesus. They were trying to go after him. And so they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And um, they said, uh, Jesus, the law, the law of Moses said she should be stoned. What do you say? Now, it was a trap because they were not stoning people for that anymore at that time period. They were not... Uh, they were under the rule of the Romans, and the Romans did not allow them to go and stone people uh, for committing adultery, and I think they'd probably quit doing that long before anyway. But they wanted to trap Jesus. They wanted him to say, well, I support the Romans and not, not the Jewish law, so they could accuse him in that way. And the Bible tells us that Jesus bent down, wrote something in the sand, then he stood up, and he said, Okay, the, the one among you who has never sinned, you be the first one to cast a stone. And then he bent back down and just started writing again. And the Bible says that one by one, beginning with the oldest and going down to the youngest, they all dropped their stones and walked away. And when it was just Jesus and the woman left, he said, where's your accusers? Let's read this, beginning in verse 9 of John chapter 8. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you no lord she said and jesus said neither do i go and sin no more we can get on the wrong side of jesus very easily we can get on the wrong side of jesus when someone falls into sin and we say let's stone them let's take them out and you may not pick up physical stones but through your words and your actions, you are out to tear down, to beat up, to hurt someone when you feel like they've done wrong. And when you do that, you've gone way away from Jesus. You've gotten on the wrong side of him. But we can also get on the wrong side of Jesus when we say, hey, we're not going to stone you. In fact, we're going to celebrate you. That was fine that you were committing adultery. It was fine. Live your life. If that's what you like, you go and be free and do that. And, and go and, and just enjoy yourself. Just try not to get caught or try to keep away from those judgmental people next time, and it'll be fine. You see, we get on the wrong side of Jesus as well when we began to condone sin. God has neither called us to condemn people nor to condone them 
but he has called us to love them and give them the truth. The Bible tells us that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And without each one of these, we fail as Christians. When, we, when we're all truth, 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 we may know lots of doctrine, but we become cold and unloving, and we don't reach or touch anyone. We just alienate them. And yet, if we ignore truth and we say grace, 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 we actually end up perverting the meaning of grace because we actually just say whatever goes. And God has not called us to do that because we don't change any lives without the power of his truth. And so, as Jesus could look at this woman and say to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We are called as the people of God to drop our rocks, but also to say, Go and sin no more. We are called to be loving and merciful, but we are also called to stand for the truth. I believe, um, although there is, these issues, by the way, are in every denomination right now. If, if you are shocked and if you think I can't believe that anyone would even debate this, let me tell you, this is going on in every Christian denomination there is. It either is going on or it has or it's about to. But I do believe uh, that our denomination, that we will stick to the right path on this. But that begins with each of us making a commitment that we stick to what's right, that we follow God's standards. What he says is right is right, and what he says is wrong is wrong. We're to love, we're to show mercy, we're to show to grace, we're to show truth. Because the truth of God, when it is combined with the grace of God, changes people into the children of God that he's called us to be. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you're at work. God, I thank you that, Lord, even though working with others and, and, and cooperating with others is difficult, God, you call us to that task to be unified as believers. And, Lord, we must be unified with both your truth and your grace Lord, we need to be filled with those things. And just as we sang, there's mercy if we're honest. Lord, I pray we wouldn't be hypocrites, that we'd be honest about our own sin, that we'd be open to your word speaking to us where we failed you and that we would confess and seek your restoration. And God, we would be open and honest with all those who need you badly. That your grace is so much, your love is so much that, Father, we can come just as we are, but you love us too much to keep us that way. You love us so much that you choose to change us to become more like your son Jesus. And Father, help us to be committed to these truths that are expressed in your word. And we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.